You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Sports Day. For Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Right across South Australia, welcome to Sports Day SA on Cruise 13.23. You'll hear Sports Day each weeknight from 6pm. And this is the summer edition with me, Paul Bonzer, and with me, former Geelong and Sydney player and current Ken Farmer medalist with the Eagles, Dan Menzel. Men's welcome. Bonds, it's great to be here on a Wednesday. There's plenty happening, plenty to get into, and a big show tonight. Certainly is. On tonight's show, we'll wrap up the first day of the Sydney Test match. We'll chat about Adelaide United as well. And the man who normally sits in this chair opposite Malcolm Blight, David Wildy, will join us. Yeah, look, I'm looking forward to chatting to Wilds. Blighty uh, said that he kicked a few on him last night when he played against him. So I want to get uh, the return serve from Wilds and find out if that is correct or if uh, maybe he put a little bit of mayonnaise on that one. You can be part of the show as well. You can give us a call on 1300 736 736 or text in 0427 154 Men's, it's time for the hot topic. The hot topic is brought to us by Repco Authorised Service Centre. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre for expert car service. Book online at repcoservice.com. The pink test is underway in Sydney. Australia won the toss. Uh, three changes. Let's talk about the changes first, uh, Dan. In to the Australian side comes Renshaw, Agar and Hazelwood, which means that Scotty Boland was dropped. And um, South Africa played the extra spinner, Harmer, come, come into the side as well. So your thoughts on that? Yeah. Scotty Boland, unlucky, isn't he? Look, Boland's extremely unlucky. He's done nothing wrong. Bowled, bowled very well in every opportunity he gets, he takes it. It's a product of the pitch in Sydney that they've gone for the two spinners. Thought Renshaw was uh, fortunate to be picked. And definitely after hearing what's happened there with COVID, uh, it's an interesting one, but um, look, we started okay. It's a bit of a dampener so far, the first test, lightning, hold to play, and then rain as well. So not uh, not a tremendous amount of play on the first day, which we did talk about last night. I said it's going to go to day five, and I'm going to yes. stick by that prediction because of the, weather. <laughs> the Sydney weather, I've lived up there, it is unpredictable, and I think you're going to see that over the next four days. First time since 2017 that Australia have played two spinners, which I thought was interesting, and I think I think they needed to play two spinners as well, especially looking at the track. It's turning on day one. We've seen that uh, the ball beat the bat a couple of times already. Um, but Pat Cummins, he's won every toss in the Test Series this year, five in a row. Yeah, which actually means that the South African and West Indian captains have lost the tosses because they're the ones who make the call. The away team is the team that gets to make the decision on whether it's head or tails. 
I was listening to an interesting discussion today about it and people were talking about and saying, do you stick with your call of heads every single time, which means you'll win 50% of the time realistically, <laughs> or do you change it up based on what's happened in the previous test? It's a great discussion. I would continue to change it up, but I, I had a couple of people talking to me who said, no, just stay with heads the whole time and it'll come back to you eventually. Yeah, tails never fails for me. Um, well, let's. you mentioned um, Matty Renshaw there. He's tested positive for COVID. He has a separate change room now um, and they're going to keep testing him over the next day or so and he may be replaced. But let's have a listen to what Dave Warner said about the Renshaw, uh, I guess, testing positive. The odd thing about it, I came in, I saw him packing his kit and I was like, what are you doing, mate? And he goes, I've got to move downstairs. And uh, the doc came in and said he's tested positive and he wanted a couple of hay fever tablets and the doc said, no, mate, let's test you. And then obviously it was, unfortunately, he's, he's tested positive, but he's, he feels fine. He's just got a bit of a, a, few, a cough and a sneeze, but he said he's ready to go. So, but he has to keep his distance. Yes, none of us want to spread throughout the uh, change room. I think Hoff there was going to hold his hand instead of wrapping his arm around him, but no, he, he's okay, he feels well. There you go. Interesting. David Warner, they're talking about Matt Renshaw testing positive to COVID. Uh, look, he's tested positive the morning of, or more than likely as the team has been selected and they're in the rooms. Now, if I'm Matt Renshaw and I haven't played for Australia in four years. Correct. And I feel like I've got a little cold or something going on that might be COVID. I am not telling a soul until I'm in the team, ready to go. And then all of a sudden the doctor says, uh, how are you feeling? And you go, oh, I might need just something here to get me going. Uh, look, he might have known yesterday. He might have been aware of these symptoms, but there is no way he is putting his hand up because I'll be honest, they wouldn't have picked him if they knew this yesterday, Correct. Correct. If he's yeah, if they know he has COVID, they're picking someone else. One hundred percent. And I think uh, Boland probably would have been the one that would have played. They still bat deep with Agar and with uh, Cummings as well, and coming in at eight. There's no issues there in terms of the batting order. So I think Matt Renshaw's done a good job to get himself through to the Test match. And now the challenge is to play well and perform with COVID. Uh, the rain might do him uh, some favours here, and he might not actually come into bat until day three. And so it might give him a bit of time to get over it. The symptoms might not be too bad, but it's amazing how different it is this time this year compared to 12 months ago when there is no way he'd be playing. Yeah, they went out for, for bad light um, at the score of one for 138 Australia. Went back on at 4.30, only for a little while, but Manus Labashane got dismissed on 79. So the current score is two for 147. They've gone off again with rain and it looks like the rain will, will wash out the rest of the day. But there was an incident with Manus Labashain earlier in the day. He was on 70. This is before they went off the first time. He was on 70. He edged a ball to second slip. The catch was taken by Simon Harmer. The, it was a close to the ground catch at second slip. Umpires wanted to check it. They went upstairs. Their soft signal was out. The umpire reviewed it and gave it not out. So he overturned the decision. Uh, but there was an angle that he didn't see. Channel 7 had a, a separate camera, and that showed it clearly went into the hands of Simon Harmer. Incredible. It's incredible that the media networks and outlets can actually see footage that the third umpire can't see. Like, how does that happen in our game? It's also incredible that he overturned the decision. If, you, if there is an element of doubt, which we see in every single sport, it happens in the AFL all the time, it happens in the American sports all the time, you stick with the decision on the field. The South Africans weren't happy, and rightfully so. Now, as it's played out, it's not hurt them too much. Uh, Manus only went on to make a further nine runs, and 
he got dismissed with a ball before they went off for the conclusion and play today. So he would not be happy in the change rooms right now. But the South Africans would feel like there's a bit of justice there. In bit of cricket karma, surely. Yes, exactly that. Cricket karma is a way to describe that. Uh, yeah, and I, I just can't believe that got overturned. It needs to be decisive. It clearly wasn't decisive to, uh, to overturn it. You're listening to Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323. Adelaide United, let's have a chat about them. They're going okay. They are going okay. They are slightly under the radar at the moment, uh, Adelaide United. They're playing some really good football, as you put it, uh, with the World Cup just finishing. Uh, Football or soccer, however you want to say it. But uh, Craig Goodwin, the skipper, went over and dominated for the Socceroos, scored a couple of goals over there, which we obviously in Adelaide here were all aware of. Uh, They're sitting fourth on the table with four wins, three draws and three losses. They are only a couple of points off second position on the table. Their home record is extremely good. They are three wins. They've had the one loss. It's just a way that they have battled so far. Uh, Just the one win away from home, three draws and two losses. So their next matchup is against the Central Coast this Saturday away. So it'll be interesting to see how they navigate that because, like I said, their record's not as good away. And Central Coast are third on the table. They're one spot above us. So it's going to be good to come up against some opposition that are in the same spot as us uh, at about a third way point of the season. Yeah, and then a massive game the week after, Melbourne victory at home. This is a great rivalry. It's, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to these games. I used to go to a couple of Adelaide United games a year, and it used to be Adelaide United versus Melbourne victory. The atmosphere at these games is outstanding, uh, and absolutely at Hindmarsh here is one that you want to get along to. And... It doesn't really matter how the teams are going as well. There's always a great rivalry. It's a great atmosphere. And it is good to see that Adelaide is going just that little bit better than Melbourne at the moment. Melbourne is sitting currently second last on the table in 11th with three wins, five losses. They're on 10 points. So we're in a pretty good position. If we can get a result against the Central Coast to really catapult ourselves up to the top end of the table with a victory over the victory. They're a bit of a dirty word too, Melbourne Victory at the moment. They're not allowed to have any fans at the moment after the incident a week or so ago. Yeah. Look, hopefully, hopefully that helps Adelaide United and they can just get the win against even a draw against Central Coast on the weekend and then come back and thump the Melbourne Victory. That would be awesome for Adelaide United. Yeah, it would. And anytime you can get one over Melbourne as an Adelaide fan, that's that's absolutely what you want to do. Now, the other Melbourne team sitting on top at the moment, they've played a game less than every other team. There's seven wins from their nine matches, Melbourne City. Uh, they have got as good a team and list as anyone in the competition. That's why they're on top. So they are going to be a good challenge for anyone. They're currently the front runners in the league and for good reason. So... Melbourne victory, certainly sitting second last. Won't be loving that their counterparts just down the road are on top of the table at the moment as well. Now, Benz, you know that I like my commentary and I found a bit of commentary overnight that is top shelf stuff. And this is from the World Dart Championships. Have a listen to this. Over to you, Michael Smith. One man misses, does the other man get? I've never seen the like. Come on, Spooly Boy. Yeah. How about that? That is the World Dart Championship. The crowd was unbelievable. Englishman Michael Smith outlasted Dutchman Michael Van Gerwen, who's been the world champion for years and years and years. Unbelievable darts player. It it was great, great vision, great uh, commentary as well. But basically both 
players on a nine data, which is basically as good darts as you can throw to get to 501 if you haven't played the game. Uh, Michael Gerwin just missed on his nine data. And then Michael Smith, who ended up winning the championship, his first championship, got the nine data. And the crowd went nuts. The commentator went nuts. Isn't it incredible, the atmosphere at a darts competition? If you haven't watched it, I suggest you tune in for even just a couple of minutes. Whenever there's a chance for 180 or someone throws it, uh, the crowd is up and about. There's plenty happening. It is one of the great atmospheres in sports, and it's a sport that you would not have said that about 10 years ago. And a lot of people who don't watch darts would have no idea the spectacle that they've done, and it's a credit to the marketing team and the way they've put that sport together. It's unbelievable, isn't it, the way it's taken off around the world. Uh, you can stream every NFL game live this season with NFL Game Pass. Visit nflgamepass.com. This is Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323. And next on the show, we'll talk about what Adam Zampa did at the Big Bash last night. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. You're listening to Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323 with me, Paul Bonza, and former Geelong, Sydney, and now current Premiership player with the Eagles, Dan Menzel. Menz, um, we're going to talk a, a little bit of BBL now, thanks to Toolkit Depot. Everything you need to know to get the job done, shop in-store or online. I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to this, Bonds. We're going to talk about the Big Bash. We made our predictions before the season. We and we're going to jump into the mid-season review as it is the midway point of the season. But before we do that, we have to speak about last night's game and in particular an incident that happened in last night's game. Well, let's have a listen to what happened. Oh, dear. Oh, it's a man cat. Oh, listen to the boo. Zampa has taken the bales off with Rogers. He took off early. Walking down at the non-strikers. And they're going to review it just to get even more drama to this. Fully legal as we know now in cricket. No warning is required. So he's just checking. What they're challenging here, and Jerry Abuda's right, whether he got into the bowling action. He can't move into his bowling action because that's a trigger that the non-striker can go. So he's there. Does he follow through? He does go over. So he's gone past the point of delivery and then gone back. This will be not out. It was a Zampacad last night, Mens. <laughs> um, so run out at the bowler's end. It's, uh, Adam Zampa tried to run out Tom Rogers. He went through his bowling action, and that is illegal. So it was judged not out. But crowd booed. Yeah, crowd they didn't like it. They didn't. They didn't like it at all. It was the Melbourne derby over there between the Renegades and the Stars. Now, the man-cat has been an interesting debate for a long time in cricket, and that is when the batsman leaves his crease early, the bowler's coming in and takes the wickets off before he's bowled the ball. I am a believer that the man-cat is part of the game. It's part of the rules of the cricket. And so if you are a batsman and you want to leave early and before the bowler's bowled the action, they can rightfully run you out. Adam Zampa went all the way around last night, which is why Jared Abood, great decision, called it on field, said, nah, you went too far. Really well umpired. The point I want to make with this is if we, when you look at rules, you compare them to other sports and that's where you can 
generally get a pretty good guide in terms of how it goes. And so the one I look at is baseball. Now, in baseball, batters are on first base. They go to steal first base. If they're a little bit off and the pitcher wants to throw it back to the first baseman, they need to get back to the base or else they're out. So that is part of that game. It makes sense. It's the same thing in the NFL. You can't jump offside early. I believe that if you leave your crease early, there's no reason why the bowler shouldn't be able to run you out. However, if you go around your whole action like they did last night, that's why the crowd was not happy with it. What are your thoughts, Bonds? Look, I, I think it's it's okay to do it. Um, we need to change the name of it, obviously, and that's that's Mr. Mancad shouldn't wear this yep. for the rest of his, his life. Um, I, I think it's okay. I'm not sure whether we should use technology. Should we – should – if a batsman's going out of his crease too early and cheating, should they be docked some runs? Look, it's a potential to do that. I think that uh, when you bring technology in, uh, it takes away the traditional uh, style of the game. And the example I gave before about baseball, it's the same thing they've been going through for a number of years now. And that is with when pitchers pitch, they are actually trying to get it into the strike zone. The umpires behind the base call whether it's a strike or whether it's a ball. This comes up every single year in their sport that there was strikes called balls and there was balls that were called strikes. Should technology be the thing that comes in and take all of the human error out of it. It's the exact same with cricket. I personally prefer the traditional style of it, allow the umpire to be able to have an impact on the game. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that technology should play a bigger role? No, I agree with you. And let's get on to our uh, BBL mid-season review. Yes, it is time to get into the Big Bash review. So, Bonds, we made our predictions at the start of the year. Uh, we're going to go into the top four first, which is what we picked first. Now, yes. I'm going to go through yours, and I want you to let me know whether you are happy with this top four. You have Perth Scorchers at the start. They're currently top of the table. You had the Renegades who are sitting third. You had the Strikers who are sitting fifth, and the Hobart Hurricanes in sixth. Are you going to stick with them as your top four? Sydney Sixers worry me. So I'm going to change and put the sixes in, Ooh. and this hurts, but I'm going to leave the strikers out. Massive. That no, is... actually, I'm not. I'm going to leave the Renegades out because Travis Head and mm. Carey's coming back. Yeah, okay. So the Renegades are third at the moment, so you're going to leave them out. I like what you've done with the sixes, and that is because they were my prediction at the start of the tournament to win the whole thing. My top four was Perth, the Sydney Sixers, the Strikers, and the Hurricanes. I'm going to stick with that. I think the Renegades will come back. The Thunder yep. are probably the danger for me. Uh, our winners, I picked the Sydney Sixers. I'm going to stay with the Sydney Sixers. I think that they struggled their first couple of games, but they've just got so much experience in that team. There's so many guys that can get the job done. Dan Christian does what he needs when he needs to. Sean Abbott, I really like the look of him as a player with both the bat and the ball. Who do you think is going to win it from here? I'll stay with the Hurricanes. They're going to fly home and grab the title. That is a very ballsy and out there call, Bonds. I really like that. They're sitting six at the moment on the table. Uh, our player of the tournament. So I went with Josh Phillippe. I am going to stick with Josh Phillippe. They're playing right now. There is a rain delay between the Brisbane Heat and the Sydney Sixers. It is at North Sydney Oval. And so there he will, I think he will hit a plenty of Sixers tonight for the Sixers. I'm going to stick with him. The other one I really like is Josh English. How about yourself for the player of the tournament? I'm going to uh, stick with Rash. I picked Rash at the start and I'll stick with him. He'll have a good run in the next few games. And the one thing you're looking forward to for the second half of the Big Bash season. Big crowds in the finals. Yes. Yep. I, I just can't wait. I think I think it's building and building and building. 
Big crowds in the finals. Yeah, the one for me, the Strikers take on the Brisbane Heat this Saturday, 3.30 in the day. The Brisbane Heat are on the bottom of the table with two wins, four losses. They haven't won away from home. They are horrendous away from home. I think the Strikers are going to get a massive win on Saturday. If you haven't seen the seven-seat Kia Sorento, you should. It's a large SUV, fantastic vehicle. And Tyre Power's big holiday sale is on now with 25% off selected Kumo passenger tyres and SUV tyres as well. Coming up on the show, David Wildey will join us and we'll ask him what it's like working with the great man, Malcolm Blight. Welcome back to Sports Day SA with me, Paul Bonzer and former Cats, Swans and now Eagles player, Dan Menzel. Uh, and you can be part of the show. Text in on 0427 154 166 or give us a call. 1300 736 736. Our next guest is brought to us by Mate 5G mobile plans from 40 bucks. 5G mobile plans, every territory or state. Why wait? Switch to Mate. It is the man that normally sits in this chair, men's, and I'm a little nervous, but we're <laughs> going to talk to the great man, David Wildy. Wilds, welcome to your show, Sports ASA. <laughs> Good day, Paul. Good day, Dan. Yeah, no, going well. Thank you. Having a Probably my first summer off in 30 years, so I don't know what to do with myself. So I'm playing a bit of golf and getting out and about, probably eating too much, drinking too much like we do, but all was pretty good. Now, Wilds, playing a bit of golf, Blighty said the same thing last night. Are you used to steering clear of each other or are you playing golf together and just spending the whole year together? Uh, no, we, we played a couple of games together. I actually caught up with Malcolm last week, went round there and had a couple of... Uh, glasses of red and uh with his and patsy's company but yeah we played a few games together over the the years he, he loves it i mean he was i think at one stage down to an eight handicap but he's getting older now and sort of blowing out a bit but um he's very competitive you can see what makes him tick and uh, now we really enjoy it and you mentioned he's competitive we had him on last night and he did say that in his last SNFL game, you stood on him and <laughs> he said he kicked six on you. Now, I want to give you the floor to give you the right to reply. Uh, is there a bit of mayonnaise on that? And how, what's your recollection of that game? Well, I actually lost a bet, but I thought he kicked four, but he brought in the clipping the next day. And, of course and, he did. Uh, he, said he, kicked, he said he kicked six goals, eight, he kicked six goals, one. And um, yeah, but he made me feel a bit better. He said he got 12 on the bloke that played for Nord the week before. So what I should have done, though, Dan, you think about it, if I, you know, I used to swap jumpers in the old days last round and then if I'd grabbed his jumper, what would that be worth today? The great Malcolm Blight playing for Woodville, the Peckers, his last ever game at the Prospect Oval. Yeah, it would have been worth uh, just a small fortune, I reckon, <laughs> David. Hey, oh, look, I think you, so. <laughs> you've been working with Malcolm for a few years now. What's the best thing about working with Blighty? Uh, you never know what you're going to get next. I think um, he he's out of left field. He, he's a deep thinker. He thinks about things that no one else except uh, Malcolm Blight could think of, and that's what made him, a, I think, a super coach. He's, we, we never plan anything. We've never gone and say, you say this, I'll do that. Um, we just sort of bounce off each other, and it's very easy with Blighty because, as I said, he thinks outside the square, and he doesn't always take the, the popular view or the... He's often the alternative, but he makes a great case. And he, he, and having said that, he's very, very meticulous. Like he comes, you would have seen him too, Bonds. He comes in with um, pages and pages of stuff for an hour show. And we don't get through any, any of it, but uh, he's probably been studying for two or three hours. So we sort of, 
was different in that way too. I sort of wing it a little bit and he does his homework, but it seems to work quite well. Now, Wilds, I want to delve into, we've spoken enough about Malcolm. I want to delve into you a little bit more here. <laughs> he played 168 games with North Adelaide. Just tell us a little bit about your footy career. Um, well, I was mainly a cricketer early. I, I didn't play footy from 15 to 18. I badly broke a leg, a bit like what Matty Robburn and, and Nathan Brown and a few of those yes. bad ones. And they, they said, don't play. But I, I ended up playing under a year at under 19s at North Adelaide uh, as a full forward. And it, end up kicking 100 goals there and the, um, a bit of Blighty in that, isn't there? Yeah, Pick there. seven <laughs> in the grand final and get 100. But um, Blighty's rubbing off of me. And then I was playing um, A-grade district cricket, which is my main passion. And then Mike Noonan, who I'm actually playing golf with tomorrow, he said to me, look, if you, you give away cricket, this was when I was you know, 21, 22, I'll, I'll back you. And um, he made me feel about 10 foot tall, and it's exactly what happened. I gave away cricket at Christmas time, um, went on the players' trip up the Gold Coast and uh, played the next eight or nine years under under Mike Noonan, and we had very successful times in the finals most of those years. And he sort of, Noonan came off the old Jack Odie style where, you, you know, it was handball from the back line, fast football with the Jarman boys, and Darren, Darren and Andrew, um, Mick Red and Daryl Hartwood, uh, had a very good side, so and we so did Glenelg, and we sort of they were our arch enemy for three years through the through the eighties, and and then I in the space of ten games I broke my shoulder, uh, wrist, and arm, all different breaks, and um, I ended up having a bit of a not a fight with Noonan. We didn't speak, but he wouldn't talk to me. I wanted to talk to him, and KG offered me a a role in the media, and um, it worked out really well at the time. I thought. Perhaps no, but the year I did stop, North that was the year that North Adelaide kicked one goal in the in the final against Port Adelaide. I think fourteen goals to one. That was my first year of commentary. So looking back, I think I've made the right move. That seems unbelievable. So you and Mick Noonan just didn't basically talk for the last part of your career. Which which my next question uh, was no, how only, did you get into radio? The, <laughs> only the very only the very last few games. Okay. Um, we had a, and it wasn't even a wasn't a fight. I'd, I'd heard he'd said something about me, probably, and the club tried to get us to meet together, and I, and I tried to go to Glenelg and Norwood, and back in those days, and I was broken down the body-wise, but they wanted $50,000, which is a lot of money back then. Steve Riley and myself tried to go to, to Norwood, and I said, nah, and John Reed tried to get me to South Adelaide, and when KG made the call to come and do commentary, which is what I always wanted to do, and... and sp- I just started off around the grounds back in those days. We had someone at each ground, you know, go to Prospect Oval. He'd speak twice a quarter, four goals, five to three goals, six, that sort of thing. And then, then Hooksy went to Melbourne. And um, first game I ever called football was the 89, um, was the 89 state game. 80, I think 90,000 people, the MCG, because KG had to come back to Adelaide to do news. And then from then on, it, um, it yeah, snowballed. And I've been doing it ever since. It's really interesting there, Bonds, isn't it? It's not uncommon, uh, I guess, as Will's just said then, that a player and a coach is a bit of a lack of communication and they see things a bit differently. That certainly happens mm. in the AFL. Now, we are on Cruise 1323 in 2023. So just tell us, you touched on your journey at the start there, Wills. I want to know what your journey has been like since and throughout uh, to get yourself into this position and, and basically tell the listeners out there, you're a very experienced campaigner in this industry. <laughs> yeah, well, I've done 34 years of <laughs> um, 
non-stop, which is, which is, I suppose, incredible, really, where you, you need to have a few lucky breaks, uh, stay with a very strong station. I was at 5AA for 28 years before making the move to SEN, and, and now we're on cruise. And um, Yeah, I think 1,400 games of football plus I've called. Uh, I've been very lucky. We've done state games. We've done... Um, remember one year we did four different calls in four states. Now, you, you might ask how that happened, but we had a, um, a Friday night game here in Adelaide. The Crows, Port, a local football. We went to Tasmania for a, a game, um, South Australia playing Tassie in the Sandful, called a local game. Then on the Monday night, we flew from Tasmania to Canberra to Perth to get to, to get and do a game on, on the Monday night, which was the Crows taking on West Coast Eagles. So been to Dubai, called a Crows match over there with... Um, with uh, 5AA sitting there next to Dennis Cometti. With, uh, Patrick Dangerfield, that was the first year he got picked up and just a young 19-year-old boy. But I've just been lucky, Dan. It's, um, I mean, you, the grand finals, it doesn't. if you ask me how, how it felt, it seems like about 10 years, but yeah. it's 34 years of commentary and, uh, and I love it. That's, that is my passion. If I could pick one thing out of sports shows, or it'd definitely be commentating on football. Yeah, that's great to hear. Dubai would have been an incredible experience uh, back then when you did that. Now, let's get on to the footy. Let's get on to some of your predictions for 2023. I want to start on the Sandful first. Now, am I correct in saying you've done 32 Sandful Grand Finals in a row? 34. 34. Get it right. Yep. Yep. I've cut you a couple short there. So (laughs) if that's the case, then you'd be a pretty knowledgeable man about who's going to win it. So I want to know who's going to win the Sandful Grand Final in 2023. Yeah, well, I I mean, I thought your boys might be be coming up again, get a few players back there, see Jimmy Rose back. But I think North Adelaide too got a, a great nucleus. They let that game slip. Uh, against the Red Legs, so I think if I pick the if I three teams, I'd still probably look at those Eagles, uh, North Adelaide, and Norwood. And um, the only game I actually get to call, even though I see a few, is the grand final. They sort of I think they do that to keep the record going. But um, they bring I, the big dogs in. I think for North the grand Adelaide should have <laughs> North Adelaide should have won that game when you're up by yep. what 13 points with about seven minutes to go in wet conditions. They they shot themselves in the foot, but I know the Eagles were down a little bit, but I think you'd know better than me. But if you've got a few recruits, you've got a very good coach, you play a great brand of footy, so I'd expect um, you guys to improve a bit too. What about to have have a focus on the AFL, both Port and the Crows? How do you think uh, mm-hmm. the power will, um, I guess, if they had a, that horrible start last year, how do you think they'll go this, this season? I, I think they'll both improve Adelaide and Port, but it won't be enough to... I've got Port Adelaide anywhere between 6 and 10, and the Crows probably just outside the 8, which will be an improvement. So I think they'll win a couple more games. Um, I don't think either will push for a premiership. The team I'm really keen on is, is Brisbane. The yeah. reason I say that, they, they, picked, up, they picked up Dunkley. Uh, they've got uh, Jack uh, Gunston. They've got two gun... Uh, kids there, they'll get out of his back at Senna's back, and they didn't. They did win a final. I think they beat Melbourne last year. So, you look at it; they'll win nearly every game at Brisbane, which will set them up for the top four. Are currently nine dollars gamble responsibly on, uh, <laughs> yep. on any gambling agency. But I really like Brisbane, and and it, it's there. It's do or die for them. They've been around the mark now for four years, 
And uh, I just feel it might be their time, just to, for that natural improvement. Imagine Gunston. Um, yeah. I think, Dan, you, you'd love to play up uh, up at the Gabba every second week in perfect conditions. And, and Dunkley's a very good midfielder too, just to help out Lockie Neal and the likes there. So the other team I like, uh, Geelong. I mean, Geelong defy the odds. So you, I wouldn't have thought they could win it last year and they won it easily. Um, I don't think they'll win it again, but... You can never count them out uh, with, with their age, and you expect Melbourne perhaps, and and as a not a smoky, but I expect Carlton to improve a bit too when you got the two big boys up forwards to the the gun forwards. But Brisbane for mine, if I, and I think Port and the Crows will be around the mark, but they won't push for the the grand final. Yeah, I agree there. I think Brisbane Ashcroft's another one coming in. He could do anything in his first year. We saw that with Dacos this year. I think Jack Gunson's going to love leading to the Brisbane players rather than the Hawthorne team he's been in. But the point I want to hit on there, Will, you said Port Adelaide between 6th and 10th. Now, if I'm a Port fan and I hear that, I'm not exactly loving that call. I'm not exactly as bullish as uh, I think everyone else who goes for them would be more optimistic on that. Why do you think that it's potentially that 6-10 to 10 rather than pushing for the top four? Well, you, they've got to make a fair gap, a bridge a fair gap. They pick up Horn Francis, they lose Carl Amon, so that's that's probably going to be a win, but don't expect too much from the, the kid in his second year. Um, they've got a few players getting old. They've lost Robbie Gray, but Boak's not going to be any better than he was. Dixon's not going to be any better than he was. Um, Tom Jonas won't be any better than he was. These guys are all getting 31, 32, 33. Lysette's, I think, 30 years of age. They've got some um, bottom-end talent. I, I really like Todd Marshall. I think he's outstanding, and George Yardis needs to lift, but where are they going to improve? You know, they, they need to improve six or seven goals to even go close to what Geelong produced last year. And I just think there's better sides ahead of Port Adelaide. Um, the kids are going to have to really, really do well. Lockie Jones and these guys have to come on. And um, we know Connor Rosie's a star. But I, I reckon they've only got one or two what I call genuine A-graders. And Rosie's obviously one. Robbie Gray was one, but he, he's not there anymore. Um, so I... You know, and, and what happens if they get injuries? What happens if they if they lose a Rosie or or Dixon's been known to break down? But I think at their best they can finish around six. At their worst it could be you know ten, eleven, twelve. Because I don't think you just naturally improve because they finished off quite well last year. And and a lot of these guys have been up now for five or six years under Ken Hinckley. You know the the Boak and Ollie Wines and Boak and these guys, um, Tom Cleary. They've been around for quite a while. So I don't expect it to be like everyone else says, automatic improvement. But, I mean, they're competitive. They always have a go. And I hope I'm wrong. But I think they'll make the eight, but not not well into the eight, if you know what I mean. Chatting with David Wildey, the normal host of Sports ASA, who's on a little bit of a break at the moment. I want to ask you about Isaac Rankin and his impact on the Crows. How big do you think it'll be? I think it'll be big. Um Playing up the Gold Coast the first few years there, I mean, they, they were both, I think, Lacocious and Rankin gifted games because they didn't have anything else. But I think he's going to be in the just at the right time, you know, with Rochelle and if he's surrounded by Walker, they've got uh, Phil Thorpe up forward. So Crow's forward line actually looks very, very smart. He's a clever player as a junior. He was as good as anything going around. He was, you know, just a gun. He was like a a young Adam Cooney that, you know, kick it to himself, hand by the top, get the ball and kick the goal. So I think he'll be good uh, back in his home state. Uh, as long And um, I think Matthew Nix is a coach that will, will certainly help him and back him. 
and you think Rochelle until he got hurt looked looked really good. I think Phil Thorpe's going to be anything down the track. Give this lad a bit of time when you you know six foot seven, six foot eight. It does take time. So yeah, I think Rankin's certainly a great acquisition. And when when people keep on going about how much he's being paid, that's not his fault. That's what the system pays. You know, they've got a salary cap, and it's not Isaac Rankin's fault that he's on whatever seven eight hundred thousand dollars a year, and he might be around for the next ten years. So I think eventually. I don't know what you think, Dan, but he could probably go through the midfield because he's got all the skills, all the talent. He's a hard man to catch, and he's got be- he's got a beautiful leg. Um, and I think he's becoming more team orientated too, which is I don't think he was early. It's more about himself. So I think it's a pretty good acquisition. Yeah, I agree with you there, Wilds. I think that he's got that Shea Bolton feel to him that can go through the midfield a bit yep. more as he develops and progresses. And you touched on the money; that's always going to be a talking point. But I think as the game evolves. The CBA deals continue just to go through the roof. I think the salary cap's going to continue going up as well. So he's dealing four or five years' time, like Buddy Franklin's deal the last couple of years, might not seem so bad as what it did at the start of the deal. So I think you might have hit the nail on the head there too. All right, before we, yeah, I made I made the call last year that I thought Crows would sort of get to where Port are mid-year this year. I made this call about eighteen months ago, but I think from then on you'll find that. The Crows might be on an upward trend, given the fact they've played all these kids. And Port Adelaide have been up for a long while, so they've got some you know, some kids, but they've also got some old players. So I think you'll find towards the back end of the year, there won't be a lot of difference between Port Adelaide uh, and Adelaide. Before we let you go, Wilds, um, we're now on Cruise 1323, obviously. What about music in your life? What bands oh, influence music, you? Right? Yeah, what <laughs> bands influence you? Have you got a favourite, couple of favourites for oh, us? Oh, yeah. I, I, well, I sort of grew up mainly late 70s, early 80s was my... Um, but I've always liked, you know, David Bowie, Elton John, Queen, all those uh, Beatles, all, all the good groups through there. And I know Cruz play a lot of that. Uh, you know, Dom Ronaldo from Cruz and, and Johnny Dean, and they do a great job there. But I like, uh, even, even guys like Billy Joel, I like all the all those sort of guys and girls that have been around for quite a while, but I knock out a tune myself on the piano now and then. We've got a oh, piano ah. at home, which I can't, I can't read music, but I can generally get a tune, which is seems a bit odd, but I haven't been able to sort of read it, but I can play by ear. So we get on there now and then, mainly when the boys had a few too many reds in the night to get in there. Sounds better <laughs> after a few drinks. But, <laughs> but I like, yeah, I like all music and particularly cruise. That's my era where they, where they do the, 70s, 80s, and, and 90s. Might be a new segment when Wilds is back in here in the studio. He gets a piano out. Yeah. We a little keyboard yeah, in yeah, here. I can, I'll be known to do that. Um, just get on the piano and play a few notes. So uh, quite happy to do that, boys. <laughs> Been fantastic uh, chatting with you. And you'll be back on the show with Malcolm Blight just before the start of the AFL season. Uh, have a good rest, Wilds, and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the chat. Thanks, Wilds. You're listening to Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323. Yeah, we're, we're going to just go over men's uh, lost in the wash. Yes. This is things we didn't quite get to. We thought we'd have a bit more time. But um, what have you got for us first up? Yeah, I think it'd be reminiscent of us not to speak about the tennis tournament here in Adelaide at the moment. The yes. Australian Open starts towards the back end of January. And so the ATP Adelaide tournament is on the warm-up tournament uh, to the Australian Open. 
And there's some big names playing. We've got Novak Djokovic here in Adelaide. We've got Daniil Medvedev. Our own Tanasi Kokonakis is going around at the moment in the tournament. They're in the second round and have all progressed so far. It's an interesting time in tennis in the world at the moment. Uh, Novak Djokovic is back in Australia. Now, we do forget about things pretty quickly in the sporting world. This time last year, Novak was not allowed into the country. Correct. And so my question to you is, is the Australian public still right off Novak Djokovic after the debacle last year of what happened with him coming to the country and the COVID restrictions? Well, I think he's not, he's not really a well-liked tennis player anyway. So I don't think that changes. I don't think there's extra angst because he didn't fill out a form correctly yep. and was unvaccinated. I think people are forgetting about that now. COVID's sort of become part of life. So I, I don't think it's any worse. Yep. I just think, yeah, Australians move on pretty quickly. They do. It is pretty incredible that a man that's won our tournament nine times doesn't quite have the same following that maybe a Roger and Rafa do when they've been so successful at Wimbledon and the French Open. Another player that's not exactly admired by the Australian public is playing here at the moment. You can go down and see him. Daniil Medvedev. Now, he, Novak didn't make it into the country last year or he had to leave. Daniil effectively copped it after that. He got booed in the Australian Open last year with his antics and the way he was going about his tennis. Uh, you, you, can, you can say it. He's a sook. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he is a sook. But then when he does his post-game interviews, he is a completely different person to how he is on the court. Correct. I've found that amazing. If you get a chance, watch Daniil Medvedev play in the Australian Open this year. See how he goes about it. And you think he makes Nick Kyrgios look good at times. And then... They'll ask him after the game and he'll go, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. That was silly. I was just got caught up in the all of the emotions. I didn't mean any of that. And you're like, this guy's a different guy. This, this He plays tennis to, completely differently to how he is as a person, which I found extremely astounding. In it watching. is white line fever, isn't it? It really is. That's he, the definition. He changes completely as soon as he steps on the tennis court. I wanted to mention Memorial Drive. Yep. With the new, the new upgrade, the roof's on there now. They've got a new corporate area. It, Looks fantastic, and it was it was a little bit of a, I guess, a blight on the whole Adelaide Oval precinct when it was before it was redone. But now it looks magnificent. And if you have not seen a live tennis game, I've been lucky enough to sit courtside a couple of times. They hit the ball hard. Oh, it's I've it's been ridiculous. To, it's incredible. I've been in the Australian Open a number of times, and it's uh, the quality is astounding. And you're right, Memorial Drive. It's a great establishment over there. Adelaide Oval. We all know how good that is. It's a great precinct for Adelaide. I wish they'd do a bit more with the river there and make it almost like Brisbane, how they have everything on the river. We've got a great opportunity there, and hopefully that's what comes in the future here in Adelaide because people will come from interstate and come from internationally to be able to see games of cricket, games of tennis, all the international sports, at these brilliant facilities. And while we're touching on cricket, I just want to mention uh, the Adelaide Premier League is a new thing starting here tomorrow in Adelaide. It is... At Karen Rolton Oval and Park 25 behind that, for those who don't know what that is, I'm going to just explain it. We've, we're going to have Buff Lehman on the show on Friday night. Now, yeah, Buff's involved, isn't he? He is. He is an owner of the Australian Premier League. Now, what this is, this is basically like your big bash competition, your IPL competition for your local players. It is your supporting cast, guys that want to make it into the big bash. It's your supplementary comp. So there's six teams in Adelaide, the Central Warriors, the Barossa Crushers, which I am involved in, Bonds. Uh, I know. The Hills Bucks, the Eastern Comets, the Southern Rockets, and the Peninsula Pirates. So there's six teams. Kicks off tomorrow, 2 o'clock and 5 o'clock the games are. Then they are also on Friday at 2 and 5. And the finals 
are on Sunday. So a great competition here in Adelaide. Uh, we will have Buff on to talk about it on Friday and get his insight into the whole competition and how it's came together and where they're at. Speaking of great South Australians, it'll be great to have a chat to Buff. That, and that's good. It gives, I guess, an opportunity for people that didn't quite make the BBL, for players who didn't quite make it to, to perform on that level and maybe just, you know, the Adelaide Strikers keep an eye on that. Yeah. And all of a sudden... This guy's picked up at next year's comp. It is. It's your your sample competition to your AFL. It's your supplementary comp. And so it is. It's good that it's not just for the men. The, there's been an uh, underage competition and a women's competition that they've run recently as well to great success. So that's great to see. And while we're on the cricket, just an update on the Big Bash. Uh, in Sydney, there's been rains. There's only 13 overs in the game for each team now. The Brisbane Heat are one for 42 off three overs. So they've started reasonably well against the Sydney Sixers. Uh, plenty of cricket happening in Sydney at the moment with the Test and the Big Bash tonight. Fantastic. And uh, we've been here for Australian Made. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo. Be sure it's Aussie. We're just about out of time, men. It's been a great show. Thanks to David Wildey for having a chat with us. A massive amount of sport happening around the country. Strikers tomorrow night. Make sure yes. you're with us tomorrow night. Can't wait to call that and uh, and watch that game as well. Hopefully, uh, strikers get a win. Thanks for joining us. This has been Sports ASA. You're listening to Sports Day. For Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer.